Welcome to Women Read Scripture. I'm Christine Thackeray. I'm MacArthur Krishna. And I'm Annette Marie Lantos Tilleman Dick. And MacArthur, we're so excited to have you back. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your wonderful books? Yeah. Um, I write books. Oh, well, I was going to say I write books for women in the church, but that's not true because both men and women and girls and boys can read these. <laughs> exactly. I'm... But um, I am an author, and so I've fun. written a handful of books with um, different co-authors. They're a desert book, Girls Who Choose God and The Girls and Boys Guides to Heavenly Mother. But for me, what just lights me on fire, which is some of the fun of these uh, scriptures we're going to talk about today, is how women can be led by the Spirit and how women can show up and contribute to the good of Zion. So that's what my books are about. That's I why I'm love it. happy to be here And today, that's what so. our podcast is exactly. about. So it's perfect. It makes it's us happy. appropriate because, you know, these letters were in response initially, 1 Corinthians, to, ask, to information that came to Paul through Chloe, through a woman and her family. And that's what he yes. says. Chloe yes. and, and some of them were um, transported by women too, right. and Phoebe, you know, and so right. the women had a very, they, you don't hear that much about them, right. but they were clearly right. there as important ideas, women right. are acting, women are right. participating. And when Paul talks Making about his happen. mission, he talks about the Greek women yeah. that listened in Acts. Remember that, how many mm -hmm. Greek women there were that were faithful. Yes. So there's a lot. A lot of women on here. there under. Absolutely, the, underneath. Under, not, un, you know, but maybe not the ones who were being, right. go, going out on these big expeditions and things well, like that. Well, this was a period of time where recording women's deeds was not commonly done. Right. Right. So the record that we have here was written with the framework, right, Right. that we're not going to talk about what the women are up well, to. Well, and, and the point no. of it was to lift the newly formed church. And so it wasn't really about women or men as much as Sure, but when we're talking about who's participating right. in and the newly formed church, the culture right. was that we're not going to include women. But in women. these, there aren't that many names mentioned as yeah. we go through. And, and what's so interesting in these, I mean, one thing that I thought was interesting, I, I want to just is that these letters were hard to write. Yes, they, they didn't were. have paper. They needed to do them on pieces of wood or on pieces of animal skin. You know, vellum mm -hmm. comes from the word vo, which is um, which is a young vo means veal, a little right. a little calf. Right, and right. so these calf skin, they had to find something. Then they had to get the inks. They had to do it. There were for individual. You'd be people. more brief. <laughs> yeah, individual yes. people. There were no. Um, there was no mail courier services. Right. You'd so have to have you someone to find send someone them. who you could trust right. to take that letter mm -hmm. and make sure it was read. Right. You know? Right. So it, the, right. I mean, there and it wasn't... was in this case, but it is interesting that when you compare 1 Corinthians to 2 Corinthians, so much of it is in response to the reaction from 1 mm. Corinthians mm. that do, they do 2 Corinthians, and especially the very beginning that we're reading. And I loved when you said in our last podcast that it does seem like he shifts subjects. And so right here yeah. in verse 8, we change. And the very last thing he said in 1 Corinthians was to give liberally to the saints in Jerusalem because they were really struggling. They were getting so much persecution and they were just really financially having a hard time. So he was asking these Corinth saints who many were more well-to-do to send their money. But as with many of the things done in 1 Corinthians, there may have been a little bit of harsh feelings in his you know, the way he said it. And so he goes on and explains more clearly. And Annette was going to talk about 
this giving cheerfully and giving with a good attitude. Well, I I love I I'm going to use this take because I can see it more clearly. But um, he first of all explains to them. He does a lot of explaining that he was the Macedonian churches really had touched his heart oh. because they were. You know, as we look at this picture, and we, you know, these pictures, we can superimpose lots of situations in our world as well. But the Corinthians came from a vibrantly productive, as I said, almost nouveau riche society. They right. had these two wonderful ports, one going to the west, one going to the east. They had lots of commerce, lots of jobs. There were people at all different levels and ranks in society. There were people from all over the world. It was easier to become a follower of Jesus there in many ways than in Jerusalem. Though right. he had been brought, brought it to the, Jesus originally came to the children of Israel because there was already a very clear path to mm. one God. Right. They, mm. and, and, and in Jerusalem, those who believed Jesus was the Messiah were outside that structured, very well-established mm -hmm. institutional religion. So they struggled yes, more. Yes, they were very outcast. But in Macedonia, they were just poorer. And Paul is very impressed, I just lost it, um, that the Macedonians, from their poverty, are eager to give and to help. And he says it, it's a little bit, I want you just to understand what happened here. I know, don't, my kids hate it <laughs> if you ever talk about anybody else and what they did but he does do that here he says and as they and um he said for to their power i've recorded and beyond um how, i want to read it in in this one because i think it will be easier to say now brethren brothers we must tell you about the great about the grace god has given the congregations in macedonia despite severe trials and even though they are desperately poor, their joy has overflowed in a wealth of generosity. I tell you, they have not merely given according to their means, but of their own free will, they have given beyond their means. They begged and pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service for God's people. Also, they didn't do this in the way we had expected. Um, but first they gave themselves to the Lord, which means by God's will to us. So they, right. I, I think I, I was touched by that. Right. But can you pause and tell us Macedonia is what groups of people? Because for people that are reading the scriptures, they're you like, you tell us. Who is that in Macedonia? Yeah. There but the people groups. in Ephesians, the yes. thesis is in Macedonia, is not F part of um, Antioch, which is on the, I mean, of, of Corinth, which is on the other side. And so I think it's important they see that difference. Do you know the other? That they're in another place. Well, right. yeah, I, I'm not going to go into the geography, even though I am, but they are, this is another right. place. I mean, it is in Sicily. Right, right, right. Um, so it's a different but I'm place. saying it's a different, different place, right. different group of people. It's oh yes. So I when mean, they talk about the people in Ephesians, they're talking and they're about the two people. different groups right. in, in Macedonia, actually. Right. But, but. I love I love this picture and it it really mapped onto my life in a way. I grew up in a eventually by the time I was 13 in a quite a prosperous area. Mm -hmm. And when my husband and I got our first home, it was in a much less prosperous area. We were I had already I joined the church while I lived in that area and I, it's a wonderful area. I moved to this area where people definitely weren't as prosperous. Mm -hmm. I was stunned 
at the generosity that flowed constantly. The other, and I felt a little bit this understanding because the people who lived in California where I grew up were also wonderful and generous people. But when we moved to Denver and where we moved, it was from very little that people were giving their all. And it was moving. And Paul is explaining this to the um, Corinthians because he appreciates their generosity as well because they have been generous. But he wants them to understand there are others who have also really put out their very best. Right. To and giving from your poverty is a different kind of gift, like the widow's might. It teaches you. from, right. And it is because, you know, there, you only have this much. And when you give your all from that much, it feels like more. Mm-hmm. And I definitely witnessed that. And it does inspire you. And that's what Paul was seeking to do, to inspire now the Corinthians to give So Mother more. Teresa has a famous quote where she says, give until it hurts. Yeah, that's right. And what right. he was and saying I that think, when you give from your poverty, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so we were once on a family vacation and we came across some people in need. And my mom said, okay, we have to make a choice here. Like if we give these people the money that, that we think they need, that means we won't be able to X, Y, Z, right? And for it was a very real choice as a child. Like if you had to put up Disneyland versus giving, or are you going to put up going out to a restaurant or giving? I mean, like, depends what your option is here. But in my mind, it was a statement for my mom to say, we don't just give when it means nothing, right? Like if it just comes out of your pocket freely, but when you give, when you have to pause and consider and then choose, like that is a significant gift. So I had to tell you that just, I, because you just said you're from Gresham and we lived in Vancouver and Portland areas, um, uh, there were a lot of people that that sit by the roadside and beg. Yeah. And um, and my son, I had just given him a dollar for the Dollar Tree because that was one of the things we did after. And he had his dollar, and there was this man that had his sign up and was dancing with it and smiling. And his mm-hmm. sign just said, "Have a great day." And we'd seen so many signs from people that were struggling with addiction, mm-hmm. and the concern was. And he said, "But all he wants to do is make us happy. I think he deserves my Dollar Tree prize." Yeah. So he unrolled his window and he gave it because he was so impressed with this man just saying, "Just smile." Yeah. So um, I love that that it really was instead of his. And yeah, we can't control give. what someone does with our resources. Absolutely, but we, we can, can control give. our generosity, and we can listen to the spirit in how 100%, to give. One hundred, because we can give to them in a way that will lift, rather than so a way that. This is something that my husband's actually really good at. So we lived for um, eight years in rural India, and there is a lot of need where I, we lived, and oh, real need, and, and real yes, need, and it's real need, mm-hmm, I, and. I learned a lot from watching my husband in his style oh. of generosity because he would give freely um, to solve the kind of the moment, the need in the moment. Right. But he also, and I think this is interesting, he also gave freely of his time and energy to set things in place so that he does job development, right? And so that. like there's, there's immediate needs. And sometimes an immediate need just needs relieved by money in that Absolutely. moment, right? But there's also long-term, are we going to be able to change this person's situation? And so watching my husband learn how to 
truly be led in how to lift people yes. and to have no judgment because there's a lot of judgment that's wrapped around people's situation and then they don't want your you help know? because they feel the judgment they well, need to feel the right love. and this like they've brought it on themselves they have done Absolutely. this to themselves they have made and even these, if they have it doesn't matter they've made these poor choices right <laughs> exactly and to say instead like it is my job here to find right. out what i can do to lift and so watching the different kind of, there's not just one way to serve, right? There's Absolutely. not just one way to give, but to give cheerfully of time and energy and wow. intent and prayers as well Absolutely. as, you know, money in the immediate And that's need. a big thing. You know, yeah. I mean, these are all, and, and what I was thinking, Christine, when you told us that story, <laughs> Paul talks a lot about how he takes such joy and such, he boasts of them. He boasts of the Corinthians and their generosity. Mm. And, and in fact, that is the context of this letter. He says, I told them how wonderful you are. And I'm sending these people ahead so you can gather the resources. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm, t and that they'll be there so that I won't, we won't be embarrassed because when I come, I don't want to have to beg you for it. Mm -hmm. I want them to see how generous you are. Oh. But he gives them sort of a, a, an opportunity to think about it and plan yeah. for it and get those. And resources. I'm thinking in a push, <laughs> a little so bit. Someone was just recently telling me that they're yes. serving in a ward where they had a hard time getting people to accept callings. And this actually wow. occurred to me in the scriptures that we're reading, where we're talking about giving cheerfully is also giving of our or time, time and talents. And Absolutely. And, wow. and I sat there and I thought like, you have the right to the spirit. If you're called to a position and you do not feel that is a position for you, you have the right to say to the bishop or say to the leader, like, that's not being confirmed for me. That doesn't make sense. But just to say, I refuse to participate. That to me, and again, you don't know someone's situation, so I'm not judging a specific right. individual. We know but that. But to say, we are called to offer to one another. Paul talks about this a lot. And he says, you are free to do many things. Mm. But what... Freedom in the Savior. And that's, of course, what he uses, you know, that we use that as our template. The way he, who was rich in all ways, mm -hmm. made himself poor and died on the cross mm -hmm. so that we could experience life more abundantly. One of the things, and, and I think Oh, we that, should talk about abundance because that's a good one in here. Which I didn't want to cut you yes, off, but no, let's get back to abundance. Yes. but And I think, though, that, that this is a part of it that he wants us to it's yes we have the right to think of it ourselves and to do on the flip side he wants us to think how what our choice how our choices will affect others right. because that's how the savior did it and yeah. and yeah. he says that in this he says for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that he though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor that ye through his poverty might be rich and what verse is that this is verse 9 in um, Second Corinthians chapter 8. Okay, chapter 8, verse 9. Yes. Nice. That's amazing, right? So if you think about Jesus living in all power, all comfort, all, right. That's right. all that's, things. That's what I was thinking. Right, to right. come down to a temporal existence, to suffer pain and thirst. Right. A and lot of worse, it. Right. right. And that, that moment to say, oh, what, is that, what does that mean for us? Right. Right? Totally. I mean, Absolutely. it's... It is... It, it's... The way he says it, you think, rich, that's right. I mean, there's no richness on earth can probably conceptualize Compare, right? <laughs> the richness of his <laughs> eternal glory. Yeah, yeah. And he forsook it all 
to including his glory to come down as a human and right. be judged as and a human be born, and be treated to be as a judged human. to right. be despised to be treated wretchedly by right. those whom he had come to liberate mm-hmm. and it gives us a template for what we should think about as we go mm. forward to serve we shouldn't expect so in fact okay so this goes into my abundance right yes. so the second corinthians chapter 9 um, verse 6 and 7 and it says this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth ab- bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver, as you're talking about. Which is a, that scripture, of course, comes from the, from the um, Proverbs. Absolutely. But can Proverbs I tell you an experience that I had that is just... Reminds me of this. So I had, um, I was trying to think how many children I had at this time. I have seven, and mm-hmm. I think I had six of the seven. And uh, my uh, sister-in-law was struggling, and so she decided to move in with us. And so we had um, 11 children, and the oldest was very young. <laughs> it was not fun. You had 12, but they were all smushed no, together, and I, half I of them weren't mine. of them died. And we decided that we would... Um, Make ends meet. But my husband was working for Texas Instruments at a time where technology was shifting and he didn't get a lot of raises and we were making ends meet very, very tightly. I mean, Mm. every little bit. And so to accept this other family Mm. without any means of support and suddenly having twice as much Mm. was just terrifying to me. And I didn't know how. I was going to do it, but we said, sure, come, we love you. Mm-hmm. And so they came and stayed with us. And um, I was at the grocery store and I was doing everything by cash because I didn't want to get into debt because we were trying mm-hmm. so hard to be careful. And I had to put back three things. And this woman said to me, you know, the community pantry is full right now because my um, sister-in-law was working. So I had all the children mm-hmm. <laughs> to myself and I just take you them were everywhere. Also working. Well, I was working. Very <laughs> hard. And yeah. she said, um, so we have all of this leftover and we would love to give you all of the things that have expired. And I'm like, what? And so suddenly we had so much. It was like all the fancy kinds of cold cereal my children have never eaten before. <laughs> Just everything you can imagine. And I um, would, you know, plan my meals. And then I had all this extra. But where we lived in Texas, there were a lot of need. Mm. And so then we would get in the in the van with all the kids. And we would bring the extra mm. and drop it off at all these other little mm. families in our ward mm. that I knew were making ends meet, but so tight. It was a struggle yeah. and we're utilizing other resources. So and there's so, so many great things about that. Isn't that wild? <laughs> it's one, so one, that you were willing and then what came back to you was, you know, talks about bountifully. Oh, yeah. But I also think you had to be willing to accept that too. I can see someone in that situation being like, right. oh, no. no, we don't take Well, normally we I do. wouldn't have, but we were no, trying no, no, no. so but hard here's the thing to is, say. But then you no. would have denied God's hand in oh, things. Oh, I know, to, and it was such a gift. But the end of the story is they they reconciled and everything went well, and she went back. And then one of the people that I was ministering to were going to lose their children to foster care. So within the next week, I had three other little children at my house. This blessing continued. They reconciled. Those children went away, and the week the other children left, 
the pantry opened up again and there was no more extra. And then I had to live within my own means. But during that time... To tide you over. And so it would be so easy to say... I'm living with seven children and we're only making, mm-hmm. I can't even tell you, we were making 42000 a year mm-hmm. and we owned a home and it was just every penny mm-hmm. you had to be so careful of and to suddenly have that mm-hmm. gift mm-hmm. because you were giving abundantly, but it's like it allowed me to make bare the arm of the Lord mm. because by giving abundantly in your poverty, Suddenly, the Lord can produce a miracle mm-hmm. on your behalf. And for us, it was a huge miracle. Mm-hmm. Oh, and to witness that and to right. experience it and to realize, I mean, it is like the loaves and the fishes. Absolutely. You don't see how this is going to work. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, of course, Christine, you didn't think, oh, maybe I could go and ask for help. But the Lord right. saw you. Oh, and it's yeah. about it, knowing us and that he It was knows such us. a gift. Okay, I just go need ahead. to finish, though. Yes. My husband did go on and get a graduate degree, got a much <laughs> better job. It's been a great blessing. But in those early years where we were so tight, yeah. the Lord did make the difference, make up the And difference. I think this law of the sowing and reaping is not is not only about finances and material goods, It's about right? time. I think it's about time or attitude Absolutely. or friendship. Oh, right. And, and right? oh, so, friendship. Because oh, yes. sometimes, don't you know, someone's going to be, am I allowed to say this? Like, they're just going to be so much work to accept into your circle because everything they do, they get offended by, but you know they need lifting and love. And it's like, do I have the cycles to accept that? Mm-hmm. But we need to give in our abundance with our hearts. Yeah, I and just love this idea that like what you reap, you sow, right? And absolutely. so if you're willing to trust God, then trust comes back to you. If you're willing to put in like, and I think that just, and, and not that you do this for a transactional relationship with the universe, but at the same time, it's it, there is this true principle of... It's a principle. It's a principle, right? And, and the Lord states it right here. I want it, I'm going to yeah. grab it because I don't want to... Not this beautiful segue, oh, which ahead. is in 8, where he says, Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, mm-hmm. both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Meaning the Lord, the Lord gives us the seed. Right. And he will, he will give us more seed to be sown yeah. As we sow abundantly, right. Right. we will be given more seed. And sow. so and, often, you know, doesn't it so reap way down the line? Th- it's like you totally forgot you did it, and then later it comes mm-hmm. back. Even yesterday, just like you meeting that friend, I was walking oh. down the hall, and this woman came up and threw her arms around me. I hadn't seen her in years, and it was so wonderful. And you're just like those friendships mm-hmm. that last forever that come back to you is just a gift. They are, and totally un. And for me, you know, in the end, having just done what I did not want, it was such a <laughs> yes. little thing. You know, it was such a funny thing to get in the car and drive there. That's true. After, but I, I really, there were so many gifts mm. in that journey, and probably the g- biggest gift was the this difficult thing that happened at the end, mm-hmm. because the way that it unfolded, all the charity that was shown to me, and then. This so how do you like how do you cultivate this right? So if you were talking about we we understand this is a principle we understand this is important, but I'm sitting here thinking about like how do you cultivate actually doing this in your life? And I think one of the things is trusting in God's abundance, right? Like trusting if you it. can trust that you have benevolent heavenly parents that they want what's best for you, that you can you can have this trust that literally there is abundance beyond Absolutely. what you may imagine. 
right? It's, it's the C.S. Lewis story about like you think you're building a shack, but God's actually building a castle right. kind of idea. And you just have to have trust. Right. But I love what I think Paul kind of explains it in that next section mm. where he talks about examining ourselves and looking into our own hearts. Yeah. That is a way that we see, are we doing this? Yeah. And I think that that's what you were going to talk about next. Um. And so well, I do think, you know, and I, I'm going to just, 11. I'll pitter patter mm-hmm. while you say, while you do that, um, um, MacArthur, but I think that, that the Lord encourages us in sometimes little steps to just turn to him. Mm. And that is how we develop the kind yeah. of faith that allows us to move through these challenges yeah. with with a certain level of grace. Yeah. I I enjoy that the 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 um salutation rather mm-hmm. than dear this or dear that is grace be unto you. <laughs> oh, I and, love it. And I think that that grace offering this grace at the mm-hmm. outset, the grace be unto us as we turn to the Lord, as we understand the unspeakable as Paul says graciousness mm. of the Savior's condescension, of the Lord's condescension to us, mm-hmm. it will help us to not only hopefully act with great grace, with like almost unlimited, as he said, with these Macedonians who are very poor, but said, please, we want to give you this, mm-hmm. and we want to give you that. Um, that even out of their little, and mm-hmm. Paul encouraging others, um, that when we are in situations which are difficult and challenging, to know that the Lord is conscious of this. Mm-hmm. And, and is abundant. Abundant. And, right. we, and it allows, I think, even of charity in the last days that we had with my daughter, Charity, which one might have thought we were, so many people were just, you know, in the ICU crying. Charity and I, we were full of hope, you know, <laughs> and we were full of hope till almost till the last night. And even in the last moment, it was hope because we had found this path and I did something I'd never done. And I said, mm-hmm. Charity, you choose what you want. And she chose another path, not the one that I wanted. But it was, it was a gift to me because I realized I felt that she really chose mm. to, she saw something which Paul talks about. He talks about our being bound here. And I'm trying to think exactly where it's in these chapters that we've studied mm-hmm. in this earthly vessel mm. that, and that it is a bit of paradox because here we are in this earthly thing that we have to work with and deal with and has desires, but we know that we have a heavenly vessel right. and that we long for that. I, mm, I really enjoy, enjoyed that discussion, especially because I have to think about that a lot when I think about my late husband, my daughter, mm. Charity, my little boy, Lincoln, my, my, my wonderful father who was older but was an extraordinary mm. man but, and who I think had a different experience when he crossed that veil which is interesting. And he had a lot to learn and progress, but he mm-hmm. is able to do that. And I believe he has. Um, but, but Paul definitely talks about our being bound in this earthly frame mm-hmm. and longing for a heavenly frame. But while we're in this earthly frame, we need to act with this faith, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. and, and yes. Right. Well, um, in, 
verse uh, 12, there's another thing that Paul talks about. 12 in, with in which chapter? Chapter 12, in 2 Corinthians, mm -hmm. chapter in 12. Chapter 12, yeah. And in chapter 12, um, he talks about his earthly frame. Yes, and that's where it is. Poor Paul, who he has an issue. It says that, um, and if we look in verse 7, it says, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And if you look at the, um, oh, the footnote under thorn, it's pain. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that idea that he had like either physical or emotional pain. Hmm. That, that kept him asked. grounded on the earth. Right. But he said it was but, given to him. Well, let's go on. We're going to read that in just yeah. a second. But um, And then he says, um, for this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And then the Lord said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ will rest upon me. So you're right. Yeah. It's through that. But I do think this idea of having, for some people, chronic pain, whether it's grief, whether it's physical pain, or whether it's emotional, like carrying anxiety or depression, the way their minds work, is something that sometimes we get healed, but sometimes the closer to the Lord, we we have to deal with that chronic pain and carry it throughout our lives. And it's very, very difficult. And honestly, I think that applies for almost anything. I think if anyone self-examines, we can talk about that kind of examining yourself right. angle to this. If you're examining your own life, you are there's something, something in your life that is um, the demands of you to turn to God. Right, right. And so whether it's chronic pain or whether it's a difficulty with a child right. or whether it's whatever sort of situation you're finding yourself, I think every single person, I'm like we could has label a, a few thorn things, in their but flesh. there's something. I think every single that one is of so us interesting. has a thorn. Okay, so I have this quote and I want you to guess, this is an evil thing to do, but I'm going to do it. Guess which general authority it came Ooh, from. Okay. It's one of the current okay. Okay. Uh, 12 or presidency. Some are born with physical and mental disabilities that cause personal suffering. The Savior knows your anguish. He is there for us. The healing and strengthening power of Jesus Christ and his atonement is for all who ask. Do you know who said it? No. So who would you think? <laughs> I, not Elder Holland. Is it Elder Holland? No. No, I didn't think That's so. what you always think of Holland and Oaks because they're so kind. Well, but I mean, Elder Holland and Elder Uchtdorf, but it's Oaks. Oh, Uchtdorf. Mm -hmm. so, oh it's um, Elder Oaks. Yeah. Yes. Because it sounds much more like Elder Oaks. It is. Right. But I loved that he said um, the healing the, the and strengthening. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the Lord, like Paul, chooses to strengthen us, not heal us. Yeah. And I think of so many of the miraculous healings we read about that Christ did weren't immediate miraculous the woman with the issue of blood how many years did she oh, struggle years and that was probably all her childbearing years mm. and then you have the uh, man sitting by the edge of the water mm. 15 years he waited mm -hmm. and he couldn't move because he couldn't walk so he'd never get in the and water these are just the the health healings that we hear about absolutely right? when we think about 
my entire life. I've struggled with being an impatient person. Oh, yes. Right? That could definitely be a thorn in my side. And it never right? goes away. Right, exactly. This is <laughs> not something it's that's the way I work. Healed, I know. Right? This is going to be something that I learned to have strength in. And that's learn right. to turn to the Lord in, at the beginning to be conscious, to stop and ask right. for help yeah. rather than reacting. We, yeah. You can I tell know. I have understanding. <laughs> I used to love when people would <laughs> Thank say, Thank you for your empathy. I, yeah. I, I used to love when people said, Oh, you must have so much patience. You have all those children. Oh. I thought, Oh, talk to my children. <laughs> or I've been given they, 12 they, children they, to they, develop they, patience. Yeah. <laughs> that I know was the truth. Well, I knew I, I knew that. Tell you the last experience one. I had that was kind of different, um, healing, strengthening versus healing. Um, so I, you've heard this way too often, but um, I had uh, Guillain-Barre, which is, is uh, a disease where you, in essence, are paralyzed okay. suddenly because of a virus. And so um, I, during that time... I, it was about six months to a year. Six months I was paralyzed. And then over the next little while, I started wow. moving. But as I did, my knees had atrophied and weren't in their slots anymore. Oh, yes. So when I started walking, I would get micro slivers and my knees mm -hmm. would become bowling balls. And it was very painful to walk. So my children watched this kind of recovery mm. of me trying to be more active, but then having this huge amount of pain. And I went to the doctor and they were like, you've had seven kids, you're varicose veins. There's no way we're going to restructure. We're not doing, yeah. you know, the surgery on you. And so you're like, I just have to endure it. There's nothing that can be done. You're just like, oh, thank you. So um, my son was being given the Melchizedek priesthood right before he went on his mission. Mm. And he had seen my struggles with my knees. And he was so excited because he thought, because he, sorry, was given the Melchizedek priesthood that he was going to heal me. Aww. So the stake president gave him the priesthood and then said, I want you to bless your mother. And his face just lit up. And so he stood up and he put his hands on my head. And he, um, anyway, thanked the Lord and gave me these wonderful words about his childhood and how grateful he was. And then he said, and about your knees. And then he paused. And then he said, the Lord gave them as a gift so you would stay close to him. And he ended really quick. And then he sat down and he started crying. And he said, you can't pray unless the Lord wants you to do it when you're giving a blessing mm -hmm. with the priesthood. That's a beautiful And it was story. so like shocking to him that he couldn't just say mm -hmm. they should be healed because mm -hmm. sometimes the healing, just like with Paul, yeah. is not meant to be. And I have to say, because I was slower, I actually started writing too. And I wouldn't have had experiences with Mariana. Mm. I wouldn't have experienced with Cedar Fort and been doing mm -hmm. this podcast. I wouldn't have had the beauties I have. And I have a writer's group that I've had those relationships for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And we're just as close as sisters. And I'm so thankful mm -hmm. because if it wasn't for those horrible knees, then I wouldn't, it wouldn't have taken me on the path mm -hmm. the Lord wanted me to walk yeah. down. So it is funny how those trials and those thorns in our flesh do bear the arm of the Lord and, and make miracles happen in our lives. Mm -hmm. And really I do. part of part of our effort to walk with trust, mm -hmm. faith, trust, is when these trials come upon us, whether they're physical or something like losing your keys or yes. something like, <laughs> you know, being in a situation with someone who is hard to be with, that mm. happens too, right. that we... We step back instead of just anguishing and we pray. Absolutely. And we may not get an immediate answer, but just the stepping back and the effort mm -hmm. to say, 
I want my will in this situation. My will, where I think I see exactly what needs to happen. Like, keys should be right there on the ground, right. you know, something, you know. I got a good that, plan. Yeah, yeah, I've got that. Right. But that we step back and we say, this, we, we are now out of control. We don't have control. We right. don't have control over that person. Mm. We can only control our efforts to turn to thee. Yeah. To turn right. to you. And the Lord has all power. So it's interesting because we're talking about when our wills are different than the Lord's, but they're not wicked. But then you were going to talk about how we battle against wickedness, which is different than when life doesn't go the way we want. But actually, people's will is different from the Lord's. So now, do you want to talk about that? This is so interesting, Mar um, Christine, because Christine parsed these up for us. And I think that, Christine, sometimes I know I get so immersed <laughs> in these scriptures that it's like, no, nah, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> but um, I do... Um, so let me let me just... Look at what I thought I was going. Was the chapter ten where you yes. talk about the weapons of our warfare are not? Carnal. Oh, these are beautiful. This is a these, and strongholds. Yes, and I want to. I'm going to look at it on this so I can see it clearly. Sorry, I I, mean, I just love the words of these, and I think the beginning is one of the best. It is so tools. Good. I know for we have for countering wickedness, and it, it isn't so an good. obvious one, is it? Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, meaning himself, um, but being absent and bold toward you. So I, I just want to talk about that a little bit because it's, it, it is interesting. Paul I is, love Paul. <laughs> I he's love just him. He's passion. And he's like, so. I know the Lord's meek, but I'm just base. I'm just going to lay it out the way it is. Sorry. And he has been called to this. And he does it in such a human way because, know. you know, he is bound. In that chapter we just talked about, he talks about being taken up into the highest places in heaven right. in this encounter he had with the Savior. It right, took me absolutely. quite to understand that he was talking, he had an absolutely, it had to be a blow you off the map transformative encounter with Jesus mm -hmm. on the road to Damascus. Right, absolutely. He saw and heard and learned things that absolutely turned and his life on a dime. And he share. It said but, he was not allowed to share. But, but he felt very exalted absolutely. by it. And yet he had this thorn in his side this pain that kept so he him had a physical anchored pain. to earth. And he and had the, the the memory of what he had done in the past to the other that Christians. That as well. So and both but, the emotional and the physical pain. But as he calls others to repentance, he says he's trying to do it with the meekness and gentleness. Of, but it's not his natural Christ, being. <laughs> so I want to pause here for a minute because this actually dovetails nicely into <clears throat> some of the things that you'd asked me to speak about um, about examining yourself. Mm -hmm. So, Paul, let's. Let, I want to draw some clear lines here, because I'm disturbed by some things that are happening currently in our uh, society. Paul is called of God to call people to repentance. Here, here. So that means that we have the pre the prophet and the twelve apostles who are called by God to call us to repentance. I am not called to call anyone to repentance. So let's be very clear. This is not an adage that says, 
All right, everybody, when you're going to go about calling people to repentance, do it like Paul. Right, but I don't think, as we read the next one, I don't think that's what he's talking about, because he talks about the weapons of warfare. And we do have to fight the war against evil and within our own no, no, hearts. But, right, but, but that's right. exactly the point. And the weapons... So you are weapons, not called... No, to call... You're called to call yourself. Now, once no, you have children. Right? But for the <laughs> weapons... Okay, you're stewards. But, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, so but, let's say within your own heart mm -hmm. and within your stewardship. That's right. Yes. That's but absolutely. to universally look out no. in the world and say no. that and that's that not and our that calling. and that, you're not Paul. For that's the right. weapons... Absolutely. And, and, and even as we are seeking to combat mm -hmm. the, yes. in our own homes, in our own families, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They aren't... Uh, earthly weapons, right? Um, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, um, not having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience. I love is that exactly what you said. We, it's not our place to revenge. Yeah. That's all right. Disobedience. So, can I read you something from yes, President Nelson? Please, from the last general conference, from his talk about peacemaking, he says. So he's done this whole thing about how. We need to be kind to one another. We need to not throw stones. We need to be careful how we talk to people, how we interact on social media. Mm -hmm. Like all of these things. We're being called to repentance, right? Each or reconciliation. <laughs> and, <laughs> Thank so, you. and so then he says, this is President Nelson. At this point, you may be thinking that this message would really help someone you know. <laughs> I love that. Isn't that, that such that a tendency so to yes. stop and be like, that guy needs to hear this. I and know, what he, right? go on, go on. Because then, then he on. tells, he says it, in meekness and gentleness. Right. I would say, it's not about that, buddies. It's about <laughs> oh, you. The person, right? you, that person listening to me, this is about you. Yeah. Not about those guys over there watching the internet. It's about you. It's, it's about so great. You. So then he goes on to say, perhaps you're hoping that it'll help him or her to be nicer to you. I hope it will. <laughs> right? Like everyone should be nicer in this. That's right. But I also hope that you will look deeply into your heart to see if there are shards of pride or jealousy that prevent you from becoming a peacemaker. I love that. And I love the shards. Like yeah. anyone who's had a child drop like a mason jar and you get those little tiny yeah. slivers and you think you pulled it, it all up and then... damage. Yes. <laughs> those little slivers. Like for weeks and weeks. Right, right. Just... Exactly. It's serious damage. And so those little shards yeah. that you don't even know yeah. are there unless you examine. And what I love about this is he doesn't give any caveats. He doesn't say, if you're preaching truth and righteousness, if you're preaching the truth of the gospel, if you know you are right, if you're right. sure then that they're wrong, yeah. go for it. That's yeah. not what he says. I know. But there's no, no caveats on here that well, it says. And I love shard. verse 3 of, of chapter 10 where it says, for though we walk in flesh, we do not war after the yeah. flesh. And so I think that when you have people and they make choices based on what they're feeling and what they're thinking. We're not warring against them. Mm. We're warring against what's in us. And so I do think sometimes it's easier to attack the flesh, to attack that person that's doing mm. something mm. you don't like. And I know I have a boy that has no filters. And every time he'd see someone smoking, he'd run up and say, that's going to kill you. And you're like, honey, we have to love but people. It's okay. It's <laughs> but no, but that's exactly what we're talking about. But we just do it as a grown-up. He was showing love too. But, you know? but that love is hurtful. And so teaching that to ourselves where we think 
Ultimately, this will bring you greater joy if you come on the covenant path, but they need to feel the love of the Savior first. And here's the thing. And they need to feel our love. And President Nelson also also said, hostility brings no one to Christ. That's absolutely true. And even if you win, you don't win. There's no win. It's just so frustrating. You don't win because our win is, I mean, Paul talks about that so much in these Corinthians. And it's so hard. I want to pause and say, what is in my heart? I know. That is the question. Ex- right or what is in my stewardship as you rightly pointed out your children yes. right we do but that. but i think we have but such again, a tendency it's still winning through love it's not winning through 100% being correct even though it you just wish that would work because it's so much easier. <laughs> but that's probably know, what our heavenly parents I think know. about us too i'm christine i appreciate that you say sometimes you just wish that would work i know but it won't it, work it won't. and when and when you are confronted with those situations where you wish just telling them, oh, listen to President Nelson's talk, you know, I would know. work. What you have to do is you have to listen and I say, know. how does it apply? Well, woman just told me yesterday she was reading President Nelson's talk as her daily meditation. Oh, that's to sweet. think of peace. And I thought, like, our world has become I so polarized. Peace. So, right? It's so polarized. And everyone's full of anger and angst. Right. And because and they the, think they're right. And you know right. what? People, and that's, I mean, those pe- when people are out there marching in this way or marching in that way, not to say that we should never have things to bring attention to things that mm-hmm. are important. But sometimes... But I was, hold on, I would say there's a difference there. I feel free to have people march for what they believe in. Me too. No, no, My no. problem is, is when someone says, I have the right to tell you how what you do. need to behave. Like, let's right. give everybody a great a, well, we, a degree of grace. That's the fundamental of our country. You know, I mean, that's what the Lord the died for. Was we for, let the Nazis march. Right, for our freedom. We believe in agency. We I believe know, in people and, finding their own path. And we believe and, in mistakes even. Right, absolutely. And I think having this sensibility of saying, it is literally not my job to police someone else. So if I see something online that I think, oh, that is not what I think. Is it my mm-hmm. place to slide into that and say, oh, that's not right? Or is it my place to say, they are on their journey and right. their relationship. Well, with Christ I will say them. this though. This is my caveat: and the sword of the spirit. That there's times where you'll see people that you know that are following that voice, and the Lord says, "Gently put your voice in." And but that's different than imposing yourself when you feel like the other voice is not speaking. And there are voices that become very loud and very wrong. Right, and can be very confusing. And are very... If the very, right well, is not of, said. Think, but you I do mean, need I to be to so careful. Well, I'm thinking about the you know my family's history, the protocols of Zion, these complete lies that were yeah. perpetrated. Yes. And, and there's a point where you have to stand up. led to the of okay. millions of people. Yep, I can see that. So I... I have to step but back you and have say to there listen are to the spirit when say. you step in and it has to be done with well, love. Well, and I think that, you know, so, there are contexts in which it is um, challenging because, right. I mean, you, it's not a question of love, that there is power in evil. And so, how do you fight that power? What you, right. all you can do is try your best. And I think of the people mm-hmm. like Corey Ten Boom during mm. the Holocaust, and her father, who oh, took people that. in and hid right. them. They, there were people, but those were the minority. Right. Most of the people were out there doing really evil things and thinking they were right. Following right. in line yeah. with what was... And, and so you do have to have a voice, but the voice needs to be when the Lord kind of gives you permission. And I think this is such an points. interesting... So I'm sitting here trying to parse it all out, because I think these are all really good points. But I think... 
There's a difference between attacking an idea and attacking a person. Absolutely. There's right? never so a place to attack like, a person. Like there's there's a difference there. Absolutely. Right? I think there's a difference to think I'm always called to step in here, like this, like like the avenging right. angel, right? That to me is true. the weapon of the flesh, right? Right. I think there's also time and a place. Absolutely. Right. To say, like, I don't like the direction this is going. However, if this is the message that's happening here, I can talk to my loved one, as you said, right. and work this out. But to put yourself in the role of the policing person, oh, because yeah. we think we're right. Never always like, police, right? But I'm saying if the Lord does say, sometimes you need to stand up when it's uncomfortable and well, you know you'll be attacked. I mean, number one, let's just go with like, at all times, follow the Lord. Right. right? Like, so once, once you've got well, that no, perfected. I'm like in, a, in a school board situation. Okay. Where something is being brought up and people are very, very emotional about it. And you really feel like you have to be part of that school board. And mm-hmm. even by standing up, you know okay, you're creating really contention, right? but you don't say it with anger. We yeah, don't, yeah, sure. but you just say, this needs but to be said. But can we also acknowledge that there's also equally valid difference of opinions? So, for instance, hold on, right? Right. You can feel compelled. Let me. I'm pausing to see if I want to tell you this story. I don't. But (laughs) I was in a situation once where we were praying about something and we got opposite answers from God. Interesting. And we were both sure that we were getting the answer from God. Okay. That fascinates me because I was just reading last night about a time where Joseph Smith and Hiram Page were praying about something and... They were told to do something, and then it turned out that it didn't work out the way Mm. Joseph thought. Mm -hmm. And Joseph said that sometimes you have to actually go on that path to figure out what you're doing. So sometimes the Lord can inspire us in interesting ways when we're talking to him. What we would assume would work out is not always what the Lord's sending you on. Like in that, absolutely, you don't know what the path is. I also think there are times where. People can be both inspired from God and have different answers because different answers apply to different people. So there may be a situation where what is true and right revelation for Annette is different than what's true and right revelation for me. Right. And so I think we have, this is why we always, as you've said, have to be in tune with the God. Absolutely. And as long as we're functioning on that path, we're good. But I think we need to understand, this is a really important idea, that simply because I've been inspired to go this decision or this path does not mean that someone else on a different path is not inspired. Which I agree. And the other thing I have to say is we don't know, saying those words, we don't know what seed we've planted. And then we go and make the choices that we're inspired to make. So in in my school situation Mm -hmm. where I stood up and and felt very strongly about a um, a very aggressive, anyway, program that should not have entered the school on any way, shape, or form if you had a Christian sensibilities. But at that point, I said what I said, and then I homeschooled my children. So okay. they could choose, and it was a majority rule, and I'm part of America. But Okay, but I saw something recently, for instance, right. where someone said online, you cannot follow God and be a Democrat. Oh, that's just hurtful. <laughs> well, and it's false. God yeah. is not a Republican nor a Democrat. Right. And I think but the that, prophet that, said that himself. That's yes, a, you know, that's a metaphor. That right. particular phrase that, that I mean, the, the thing that, that MacArthur just saw online, you know, that you cannot be a, 
uh, what was it again? Democrat and be a person of God. Of God. Um, but fill in the you blank. You can fill in the blank. Right. In the blank. And right. what right. we need to understand is that is being a Pharisee. I mean, not a Pharisee. It's a oh, Sadducee. Yes, because you're that is giving because people what you're doing is lines. you think your way of seeing it is the way God sees it, and God, we don't tell God how to see things, right. and we don't tell God with whom He will have a deep, profound, meaningful relationship. Absolutely. With whom they will have a deep, right. profound, meaningful relationship. We, I, I had you know in a much. You know, sort of interesting family context. There has been a situation with my girls, and they know what it is, where I have always done something a certain way. And they are doing it a different way. And it has taken me a long, long time in my own heart. We don't have conflict over it on an mm -hmm. ongoing basis, but a long time to understand that, in fact, the Lord and the Lord's servants may have presented this idea to them differently mm. than it was presented to me. Mm -hmm. And as and I have worked to try to understand that. Yeah. And I don't want to pretend that it hasn't been a long drawn out process. But yeah. I know that these are wonderful women. And I know that for me, doing a certain thing in a certain way was has been very important. And I felt like that was the right way to do it. Yeah. But, but as I've let that go of that, yeah. as I've let go of my conviction, knowledge and and light have flown have yeah. have come to me yeah. to be able to see it differently. Yeah, I think just understanding that God's ways are not our ways and yeah. that things that we're often attached to are perhaps the good for us, but the good for us literally may not be the good for someone else. Well, and I totally agree that sometimes something that inspires us takes us to a place where the Lord wants us to be. And so we can feel very inspired to do things that then allow us to be in a circle that would otherwise not be touched by our love and understanding. Sure. So the Lord, I, I think my husband, this is the oddest story, but he felt very strongly that there was this girl that he should... Mary, and she was just getting ready to go on a mission, and he hadn't asked her out. He just felt for sure. So he didn't date anyone for the whole time she was on her mission because he felt like this was the girl for him. And so he went those two years, and then when she got back, she had no interest. So he had gone two years. He was way old. He was 29, <laughs> hadn't dated anyone during those critical years. But I had just finished school and moved into the same ward. Mm. The weekend, he got rejected after waiting two years for this girl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I was his rebound, and it made him open. And, and so think about that instance. He was woman. feeling inspired that he she should inspired. be married, that they could be married. And but, she clearly was inspired that they should not be. And she was right, and he was right. Because if he had dated, he probably would have married someone else. Right. And the Lord wanted him to wait till I was at least humble enough to to date this right. young man because just so before I had we, made a promise. I think promise, the question right. here is, are we humble enough to acknowledge that, that God can talk to different people in, in different, different ways? ways? Absolutely. And that my way, so are we saying, is because we have the scripture that God's ways are not our way. Are we I humble know. enough to say that what I feel is my right, revelation that from MacArthur's God, ways are not my ways and right. that they're both the Lord. And they can both be And they be both are the servants of the Lord because the right. Lord has this great 
kingdom so there's of which a, so there's that a, is an huge. example that's come up in my life recently. So I had a conversation um, with a woman who was uncomfortable about Heavenly Mother being discussed. Right. And I said, and I explained to her, right, like um, this taboo that we've lived under, no prophet or apostle has ever said this. Right. Like we've gone back and we've researched. This is clear. The Gospel Topics essay makes no mention of this. Elder Renlund General Conference clearly is speaking of her. Like we're able to speak of her. And she said, this is such a sacred thing and a joyous thing to me that I just feel comfortable holding it in my heart. And she compared her feeling to the feeling of Mary. You know, that when she was revealed that she was going to be the mother of Jesus, that she wanted to hold this in her heart. This was her feeling. I think that line, ponder in your heart, was meaning that these writings are from her heart, not that she didn't tell anybody. That, so that was that was that was her interpretation that she wanted I know, to hold it's a this twisted in her interpretation. Heart, okay? So I thought, but here's the thing is instead of saying you're doing that wrong, right? Oh, I could say, so Oh, sweet. interesting. My way of knowing that I have a mother in heaven is a very emotive way of being. I love that. So it's, when I and feel both joy Right. And both are important. When maybe. I feel joy, I feel like the angelic heralds who are saying, "Glad tidings! This yeah, is joyous." Nice. I feel like the rocks and the hills celebrate with joy. Like so, in my mind, she is feeling with the spirit of God that she wants to hold this in this way, and I am feeling that I want to spread good news. And both of us can be inspired to interact with the doctrine right. in a way that's appropriate. For us. I love that. And that is absolutely true. And I think as you look at the very end of Second Corinthians, this is exactly what he's saying in 13, where he says, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Yep. And that's between you and the Lord. Yes. Exactly. Am I doing this for the right reasons? And then yep. it says, prove oh. your own selves. Yep. Yep. Don't yes. prove anybody else. Nobody Jesus <laughs> Christ is in you. Yep. Except you be reprobate. So if you know that Christ is in you yeah. and you know this is coming from the Lord, even right. if it's wonky and other people don't agree and you know and you're living within the faith, you're yeah. not a reprobate, you're yeah. not outside the covenant path, That's, yep. then follow, follow what the Lord tells you. Thank you for visiting us at Women Read Scripture. We've had such a great time talking about us walking the covenant path. And no matter how we walk, we hope we all walk together in joy. Thank you.